Amen and amen. That Christ would be magnified. That's what we're here for today, right? It's a beautiful thing. I hope you're enjoying Stewardship Month. I know that I am. I particularly uh, enjoyed and was convicted last week through preparing and delivering the message on the stewardship of personal discipline. But you can't imagine how excited when I saw that we were deviating a little bit here, when I saw that we were talking about stewarding, Patrick stewarding in the next generation. You see, my family, we're all a bunch of next-gen nerds. I mean, think about it. Look at this picture right here. I mean, does that tell you something? But then I started reading the passages we were actually going to talk about, and I realized it's not Patrick Stewart, it's stewardship, stewardship of the next generation. But seriously, I am still excited about this passage today because in all reality, it flips on its ear the thoughts of this world. There's so many concepts out there that really the world just gets one way, and when we look at God's Word, it just takes it and turns it upside down. Think about leadership. In the world, leadership should tell the top dog, he's up in that top office, he's upstairs, he should be exalted, he's got a view of everything. But God's word would tell us in leadership, we need to humble ourselves and we need to serve others. Or how about saviors? Just look at movies in this world and what's a savior complex look like? It looks like a savior, sometimes a superhero, sometimes someone just doing what they think is necessary to vanquish their foes. But God's word would tell us our savior, well, our savior allowed himself willingly to be mocked, beaten, scorned, and killed on a cross. The viewpoints and ideas that we might have all on our own, well, the Bible has a very different picture one that generally looks upside down from the world. That even extends into what we're talking about today with the next generation. Because if you think about it, how does this world tend to think about the next generation? Well, the current generation of young people, well, they've been referred to as entitled, lazy, oversensitive, materialistic. But let's not jump too fast on the young people of today. Let's look back a couple of decades. How were the baby boomers looked at by the generation before them? Well, they talked about them as being dirty, unlawful, immoral, and lazy as well. All still sounds pretty much the same to me. You know, in my, in my vast studies on this, I really did want to see that this attitude, where does it come from? Well, listen to this quote from Aristotle. This really isn't an issue of the 20th and 21st century. Here's what Aristotle said. Young people are high-minded because they've not yet been humbled by life, nor have they experienced the force of circumstances. Well, the reality is if we believe these attitudes about the next generation to be true, well, then I would ask us, why would we have hope? Why would we have hope? Because looking at that, that would tell us that generation by generation, the world should just be continually degrading, and I'm surprised we haven't destroyed ourselves or simply starved because we're such a lazy generation. But folks, we're not here to simply lament the things and the views that we might have of everything that's good in this world, because we truly do have hope. And the Bible gives us hope. It gives us the truth that we can not even recognize 
And that's why we're centering this month on this, on this theme of the stewardship of hope. Because we don't look at the days ahead as doom and gloom and a foregone conclusion. Trials, yes. Challenges, certainly. But hopeless, never. Because our hope is fixed on the living God. It's for this that we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God. And it's in this hope that we're able to steward the mission to be able to take the gospel to the world. It's because of his assurance that we're able to steward our personal discipline towards godliness. And it's because of our hope in the living God that we'll seek to steward the next generation. Today we're going to step back into the Old Testament. We're going to step back to unpack the way in which God is calling us to steward the next generation. And so if you will, open with me to Psalm 78. If you're using the, the Bibles in the chairs in front of you, you're going to find that on page 425 in the front section of the Bible. You see, today's passage, or today's psalm, it was written by Asaph. Asaph was a Levitical music leader who was assigned in the temple by King David He was the author of multiple psalms to include Psalm 78. Now, today's psalm really comes from what would be considered some of the darker days of Israel when hope really was hard to find because of the pressures and the attacks that were coming upon the kingdom, both from within and from outside. And as the worship leader for the people, Asaph's song in Psalm 78 helps us to steward our hope as he gives us instructions that will help us to steward the next generation. It helps us to remember the days of old from one generation to another. And he's imploring his generation to keep the law, to not forget God's works, and to not rebel as their ancestors had done in the wilderness where they were slain by the Lord in his anger or given over to the Philistines in the promised land because they had forgotten in the time of the judges. And so Asaph was leading his people in worship to find their hope in the stewardship of the next generation. And so if you will, join me as we read from God's word, from Psalm 78, starting right from verse 1. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which have been heard and known And our fathers have told us, we will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise Tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And so just as Asaph was leading the people of Israel, God's word continues to lead us today. And so as we consider this passage and unpack its meaning, as we look for the applications of these truths to our generation, stewarding the next generation, I want us to see four essential elements for stewarding the next generation. And so we ask, where will we begin? Well, right where Asaph calls us to begin. 
Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Whether we're looking at the trials that the generations of Israel are facing or if we're perceiving the decline of our community and trying to attribute the causes to it all, we have a choice. We have a choice to make about where we will look for our hope and for our answers. We could look to the voices of this age, the news reports, social media. You might even decide to listen to your own opinion. But the question is, who will it be that we choose to listen to? Paul had asked us this in 1 Corinthians when he said, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Well, yes, he has. And because I know this to be true, I want to choose a wisdom different from the wisdom of this world. And so it begins with our own ears that we would seek out wise teachers. Scripture declares that God alone is wise and discerning. And that human wisdom is often unable or unwilling to understand his ways. So then in this world, what hope do we have? Great hope. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can demonstrate the discernment received through God's word and through the insight of a renewed mind. We can discern wise teachers by looking at where they seek to find their wisdom. Do your teachers fear the Lord? For the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Do your teachers trust in the Lord, or do they lean on their own understanding? Do your teachers seek God's word as sufficient? Or do they begin with worldly concepts and then just simply try to sprinkle over the top of it a little bit of God, and try and call it that way. As you choose who you will listen to, I'd encourage you. Those are three good questions to begin with in asking, who are my teachers? Because even as your pastor, I would want you to discern if I'm being a wise teacher who you might listen to. I would want you to be just like the Bereans who are applauded in the book of Acts because when they received teaching, They measured it against the Scriptures to determine if it was true, to see whether they should listen, to determine whether they should follow. Asaph sought the Lord, and as such, he called the people to listen to his instruction. And we can listen too, for we know, we know that Asaph's psalm is the very Word of God calling us, calling us to incline our ear to him, to listen to his instruction so that we would listen to biblical wisdom. You see, the the Lexham Biblical Dictionary describes wisdom in the Bible as the practical skills associated with living a successful life. Now, that certainly sounds appealing to me, and I, I would hope that it does to you as well. And the beauty of having God's written word available to us today and the freedoms that we have here in our community, it gives us great access to biblical wisdom. And we need to prioritize that. This is why your pastors here would encourage you to set Sunday mornings aside every week as a priority over all the other voices 
that might be trying to seek your attention. Because as you seek to commit to join our church family each week on Sunday morning for worship, I promise we, your pastors, will commit to teaching only a wisdom that comes from God's Word. Okay? And then we would ask, please test us on it. Please check the Scriptures. And where there is something, push back. But then it's more than just Sunday mornings too. What about during the week? How are you seeking to stay grounded in biblical wisdom? Are you a part of a regular Bible study seeking to unpack and teach biblical wisdom? How about when the trials show up during the week? Will you seek biblical counseling? Will you choose God's wisdom over the world or your own? As the body of Christ, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and as individuals, it begins with our ears and the choices we make for our teachers. And specifically, what is the source of wisdom that we choose to listen to? And so as we seek to steward the next generation, we then can't stop with ourselves, can we? Because even if we choose rightly for today, there's great danger in not considering what we will teach and steward to the next generation. Consider how that happened and what it means we need to do. Look at the book of Judges, how it started in such a foreboding way. As Joshua died at the age of 110, as the entire generation of Israel who had come through the, come through the wilderness began to die. It said all that generation also were gathered to their fathers and there rose another generation after them. And this is a sad statement. There arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Would we want that? It's not enough that we would simply incline our ears and that we would acknowledge the work of the Lord Biblical wisdom is not a treasure that we're intended to gather and keep for ourselves. It requires that we share it. It requires that we speak. Because what we have learned, God is calling us to pass it along as part of stewarding the next generation. Asaph says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which you, we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. But what about going forward? We will not conceal them. From their children, but tell them to the generations to come to the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. Asaph was crying out to the people and imploring them, Listen up, this is important and it needs to be shared. And when he says that he would open his mouth in a parable and utter dark sayings of old, what he's meaning is that we're going to teach the wisdom teachings of God's word. Things like the law and the Proverbs that we would know God's instruction. Asaph's purpose in teaching here through the Psalms was to point and instruct God's people in a way of life and that they would fear the Lord. This meaning remains just as important to us today as it was to the original hearers in Israel. In the same way, the truth and teaching that we find that may be good for our souls well, that same truth is good to pass along to the next generation. And that's why it requires us to speak. 
but not to speak in the way of grumpy old men who see the flaws and the failures of those that we see as too young to be wise, and also not to speak with a complaining heart that's unable to grasp the hope for tomorrow, but to speak as one who's cultivating a heart for the next generation. Think about that attitude of the grumpy old man, maybe a bitter old woman. Now, I don't see any of those around here, I know, but we still have to look at our own hearts to see if we have these tendencies as their sinful responses because they believe a lie. It starts with an attitude that sees the next generation is filled with lazy, entitled know-it-alls, but that's believing a lie of exaggeration and generalization. And it's failing to see the pride, the pride in ourselves that comes from believing that we did everything right. If only we could go back to the good old days, right? No. God's wisdom will teach us something different so that we can cultivate a heart for the next generation. Because the lie in the world's view of the generations believes that we got where we are because of our own works and our own strength. That all the good things of day have, become, have come about because of what we have done. But they fail to see both the works of God and the works of the generations before us. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed the law in Israel. That was God's work. And he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to the generations. As we seek to steward the next generation, we must honestly look at ourselves to see the impact of the prior generation and what they had on us. And as such, we should give thanksgiving for those who have gone before us and give thanks for the foundation on which they have helped us to begin. Asaph was pointing the people back to the commands which God gave to Moses, in which Moses then taught the people the wisdom that they might stand upon and live and grow. He was commanding them things like, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your might. We give thanks For those who have gone before us, standing upon the truth that the Lord is one. There is no other God. There is no other source of wisdom. There is no other truth. And when we look at those who have gone before us, sometimes we can see families like the Smith family. But we watch how they understood the generations. Paul and Jonathan and Eric Will they each give thanks for the foundation and the teaching that was passed down from Doc Smith and even from his father and grandfather so that they might learn to love the Lord? But now maybe, maybe just maybe, you're the first generation in your family to come to know Christ as the Lord. Maybe you're the first in your family to walk this path, allowing the Lord to direct your steps. But even if that's the case, we can give thanks for those who have gone before you. Because God used someone in your life to help you hear the truth for the first time. God used, he ordained that there was someone who would help you find wise answers. So that by his wise teaching, you'd receive his abundant grace for the salvation of your soul. Can we give thanks for that? We give thanks for those who God placed before us to teach us the truths upon which to live. 
And then just as he commanded the fathers to teach these things to their children, we should also be looking to who God is calling us to teach. For they're just as lost as we were before we knew the truth. And the Lord wants us to have concern for those who follow you. When I look at the next generation, my natural heart and my prideful heart wants to measure them against my standards, knowing that they will never stand up to that test. The grumpy old man comes out in me sometimes. Sometimes, even using Scripture to confirm what I see, and I use passages like 1 Corinthians 6 saying, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, that is the grumpy old man coming in me. When I stop at that point, that's a Bible-abusing grumpy old man who's forgotten to continue reading because I need to know the truth that God's really trying to show me, which follows immediately after this when he says, Such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. And if by God's grace my heavenly Father can transform me from my sinful state, how can I learn to see the next generation in the same way that God saw me, created in His image yet still dead in my transgressions, loved deeply by my Creator, loved so deeply that He sent His Son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. Well, the next generation is just the same as I was, and I'm called to love them, not condemn them. And so then we must ask, what is the most loving thing that we can do? Is it to continue to lump them together as a lost generation? And thus when we do that, we conceal all the truth that God has given to us? Or will we share the testimony of God's redemptive work in our lives? Because to do that, we have to speak the truth in love. The truth that needs to be shared is the beauty of God's redemptive plan and what He has done in the past and what He has promised to do from generation to generation For he said, I've established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach to their children. You see, for the nation of Israel, God saved them out of the land of Egypt. He protected them in the wilderness, even while they rebelled against him. And then even when the next generation in the promised land forgot the Lord, and they still cried out to him, he delivered them in the time of the judges. And then when they asked for a king like all the other nations, he gave them what they asked for, and he waited patiently so that he could anoint his chosen king, David, and then promised that one day he would put his descendant to rule on that throne for all time. We need to teach the next generation. He commanded that they would teach to the next generation the law of Israel so that they might see their need for God because of their sinful hearts. And he revealed the testimony of God's redemptive work from Jacob through the generations all the way to us so that we might know the truth. 
Again, the Psalms show us that to know it for ourselves is not enough. They were to teach it to their children so that the generations to come would know. And this element of stewarding the next generation requires us to speak up and to speak the truth, to fulfill our missions to go, making disciples even among our own family. We have to speak up. We have to speak the truth. And these commands, they are commands that were never intended to be complete this side of heaven because we're called to pursue the next generation, that the generation to come might, even the children yet to be born, that they might arise and tell them to their children, our work is not done when we've discovered the truth for ourselves. Our work is not done even when we've shared it with our children. God's plan is to do the work today that makes the truth available to the next generation and to the generation after that and after that and so forth, all the way until when? Until the day Christ returns. Now before I move on, let me make some suggestions that we might choose to apply this to the stewarding of the next generation and how can we do it today? Well, first I'd ask, how do you show your kids that you want to make it a priority to incline your ear towards the words of truth? When's the last time you said no to a church activity or to an activity on Sunday that was not church because you needed to be at church? How about how you schedule your vacations? Have you ever thought about maybe returning from vacation on Saturday instead of using Sunday as your travel day? Because you wanted to be in the house of the Lord with your church family? I also want to encourage, and I love seeing it right here in so many ways, worship together as a family. At some age, and you as parents know when that age is best, your children are ready to sit right alongside you and to be able to hear the truth I mean, directly from God's Word. And that's going to provide you opportunities because from there you can then take that same teaching home with you on Sundays. Because maybe at lunch, maybe at dinner that evening, could you ask your family what truth they heard? And then talk about how will that create change in our lives today, on Monday, on Tuesday, and going forward? But maybe you're sitting here and you say, well, I don't have my kids with me. Are you a grandparent? How about coming alongside the next generation to help them share the truth with the next generation after that? Sometimes that means you also even need to be the primary teacher for your grandkids because you weren't done after just one generation. Now, as we see the importance and the command that we are to carry forward the teaching of the Lord, to share God's redemptive plan and teach our children, I want us to unpack a third essential element that will help us to steward the next generation because we'll find that as we speak, we find that as we speak, what we say matters. Verse 4 guides us in what it is that we'll be teaching. We'll not conceal from them, we will not conceal them, the wisdom teachings from their children, but tell to the generation to come to the praises of the Lord, 
his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. It's the wisdom teaches teachings that we are not to conceal, for God has provided to us all that we need in his word. His sufficient word, giving us everything for life and godliness. You may remember from last week that in our discipline, we're to pursue godliness by seeking God's word. Because the answers, the truth that we needed are all available through the wisdom of God's revealed word in Scripture. And as we grow in the knowledge of the truth, there's really only one response that we can have to that truth. And it's to come to the praises of the Lord. For the truth and the hope can only come from the Lord. And so we steward the next generation by teaching them that our focus must be on worshiping the Lord. What good is it if we steward our children to learn to manage the things of this world well? If we teach them how to use their finances, their time, and their abilities, and yet we don't point them back to the Lord to teach them the gospel that they might taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, I can certainly teach my children not to spend their allowance on candy and video games because those things are just temporary and they will soon be gone. But how have I taught them that God owns everything and they own nothing? That God has entrusted them with everything that they have and that they can either increase or diminish it. God wants them to increase it. And do they really believe that God will one day call them into account? Could be today. Do they see God's grace poured out in their lives? And will they choose their purpose to be pleasing to God rather than seeking their own entertainment? The gospel has implications for every aspect of our lives and the beauty of God's grace should cause us to worship Him. Not just in song on Sundays, but with the thoughts, actions, and decisions of our lives as we set a purpose of bringing God the glory. Why? Because I know who He is and because I know what He has done. When the psalmist wanted to point God's people back to God's strength and the wondrous works that He has done, he frequently reminded Israel of God's mighty hand in delivering them from Egypt, parting the Red Sea, defeating Pharaoh's army, providing for them in the wilderness and bringing them to the promised land. The message in it all, when our God saves, we have nothing to do with it. Israel's proper response was to humble themselves and worship the Lord, knowing that the land where they lived did not come by their own strength, but from God's hand and God's heart for his people. But even not long after the Psalms were written, the next generation began to forget, relying on their own strength for their salvation and their protection. And needless to say, even after the Psalms were written, it did not go well for them as they were sent into exile. And then even when God brought them back out of, out of exile, they were ruled over by other nations. Well, today we see the same choices being made all around us, people seeking to save themselves by their own strength. People choosing the idols and gods of this day to try and fill a need or a longing that they don't even truly understand, but they're searching. But as followers of Jesus Christ, as we steward the next generation, we have a far greater rescue to point to than the deliverance from Egypt. 
We have a testimony of God's work to set the captive free, to free us from the penalty of sin, to free us from the bondage that comes from the sin that's in our lives. We have the joy of declaring the gospel, sharing the grace that is available to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because without Him, we would still be dead in our transgressions. But by the power of Him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, we share in the strength as He makes us alive in Christ, empowered now by the Holy Spirit, so that we can have victory over sin in our lives. Victory over the sin that would otherwise entangle us and hold us in bondage. He is the one who breaks our chains. He is the one who sets us free. And thus, by His strength, we can overcome what otherwise would hold us back. Things that would even hold us back from stewarding the next generation and sharing the truth of the gospel. Will you point to Him? Will you point to Him by sharing the testimony of His work in your life in a way that brings Him the glory, especially to those who are still seeking to live a life in their own strength? And as we do so, as we worship the Lord, as we point to His mighty hand, we need to recall all that He has done. And so let me ask you, how do you do this? And how often do you do this? How often do you open God's Word to share the Gospel, telling others what God has done in your life? You know, in the Old Testament days, they recalled the mighty works of God by telling and retelling the stories of what God had done, pointing to God's redemption. They had it all memorized. How about you? Have you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as well as the rest of the New Testament memorized yet? Me neither. But thankfully, the Lord's given us a way around that because He allows us to carry God's Word in our pocket every day. Even when I don't have this with me, I've got it with me. We have no excuse. But we need to remember, it began with our ears, seeking wise teachers and biblical wisdom. And as we learn to speak the truth in love to the next generation, understanding that what we say matters, and I'll... We need to speak forward. And I understand that speaking this way for some, really for many of us, might not be very comfortable or as comfortable as we like. And so I do have a challenge for us as we look at this and how we will steward the next generation. I want you all to find someone who is right here with us today. Find someone here who God has placed in your life, and then I want you to to ask them to help you practice Practice to share the wisdom of God's Word and the testimony of God's work in your life. And then, if it didn't feel like that went very smooth the first time, well, how about try again? Work on it until you become more comfortable sharing so that we will no longer conceal the wisdom of the Lord. Practice so that when you do share in the work of the Lord, we're giving Him all of the glory. And then I want you to do it with an aim an aim of finishing with an invitation so that someone who does not know the Lord might take one or more steps towards Him. I want to challenge us to help help each other in this way. And so the only question is, who's going to be bold enough to go first? 
then our final element in stewarding the next generation. And we'll look more than at more than just our words. We also need to look at how our lives impact the story that we're telling because what we do matters. Asaph has made the purpose of God's law clear to his people. He could hardly overemphasize the essential purpose of teaching God's character and his word to the next generation. And for us, it's a call to action. We can't sit on the sidelines. For we know that if we do not steward the next generation, teaching them of the Lord, we will leave the door wide open. And we know that if it's not us who teaches them, there will be another And they will draw them astray. They will cause them to rely on their own strength. And they will not know the Lord. And so if we desire to be the effective teachers, stewarding the next generation, we must commit to seeking the truth and then choosing to live out that truth. God's Word would argue that we must both learn and live the Gospel in order to effectively teach the gospel. And so since Asaph has shown us what we are called to be teaching, I ask you now, as we finish out, that we would look at ourselves to consider what are the areas we need to work on in living out the gospel. First, is my confidence in the Lord? It's one thing to teach trust in the Lord. Do you give thanks that God gives you opportunities to show that you live that trust? How do you respond when trials come in your life? When things don't go as you've planned it? Is your response characterized by anger? Anxiety? Avoidance? Where's your confidence? If I'm angry because I didn't get my way, well, my confidence must be in myself or something other than God. Or why am I worried? Am I trusting in something other than the creator of the universe for my provision and my security? If my confidence is in the Lord, then when my trials come in my life, my response will be to turn towards him and not to anything else. And when the next generation sees your confidence in the Lord, it will make it far more appealing to them to choose to also place that same trust in the Lord. Next, we need to ask, as Asaph did, do I know the works of God? When your family gathers for Thanksgiving or Christmas, is there someone who tells the same stories over and over again and everybody begins to roll your eyes? We shouldn't because God's Word tells us His basic truths over and over again too. Not because God had to remind himself of those stories, but because he knows that we need the reminding. And so when it comes to stewarding the next generation, someone's got to tell the story. It has to start somewhere. Someone has to teach the next generation because they cannot forget what they have not heard. And so we ask, do I really know the works of God? Do I remind myself of them over and over again, telling those stories? Do I really know the word so that I'm confident in sharing the gospel? Now, if I say no, Asaph is calling me simply to incline my ear to the words of God. But even if I said yes, let's not forget that God's word is living and active, which means we will always have 
more to learn. Listen, O my people. Incline your ear to my word. And then lastly, we have to look at and ask, do I keep his commandments? In John 14, 15, Jesus teaches, if you love me, keep my commandments. Every one of us is learning, but we have to ask, are we doing? Are we obeying? As Paul taught the first generation of Christians, he called them, be imitators of me, as I also am of Christ. Will that be the truth that we recall as we seek to steward the next generation? How will the next generation look at you? What will they see? What would be the outcome if they chose to be an imitator of you? I pray that as we seek to steward the next generation that they then would be able to say, we were imitators of you as we saw you being imitators of Christ. That's the stewardship that we can stand upon. Join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you. Lord, just so thankful that you have revealed yourself and that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. You've given us the wisdom in your word that we might to choose to live it. And Lord, you've given us the truth and the grace to know that in our own lives we would be lost. But you made a way through your Son, a way to save us, a way to redeem, Lord, that we might grow. Lord, we have hope and we know that it is not lost as we walk generation to generation because our hope is fixed on a living God, a God who loves the generations, who walks with us day by day. Lord, help us to know you, to speak of you, and to live a life that's pleasing to you. Lord, so that the next generation, as they receive our teaching, Lord, they would choose you. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.